Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, we've kind of scratched the surface of something I would call operational faith. Now, let me just say this. I've always believed a person with an argument is at the mercy of somebody with a testimony. I mean, you can argue all day long that, you know, the baptism in the Holy Ghost isn't for, for today until you come into a church of people that are full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> kind of hard to talk them out of it. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm prepared to say after living this life and lifestyle for almost 39 years now, it, this stuff works, man. And I can't really speak to the Dilemma of those that would say, well, I, I don't know if it works or not because I, it don't work for me. Well, all I can try to do is to teach you and to minister to you in such a way that you adopt. Several times in the, in the letters to the church, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he commends the churches to follow Christ as he does. He said, like I do it. Come do it like me. You know why he said that? Now, if you'd have looked at the surface, you'd have thought, well, man, this guy's in jail half the time. And he's wanting us to follow him? Well, there must have been a little more to it than just, you know, going to jail, you know? I mean, he must have been teaching and demonstrating some things by the Holy Ghost that people were like, that looks like that works. I mean, the only place in the Bible says there were special miracles. I prayed about special miracles. I said, Lord, what, what was it about the miracles? Why, why were they called special miracles? He says it wasn't the power that was special. It was the situation was special. The special miracle. Amen. So we must understand that this lifestyle that God has given us, this life, not just a lifestyle, but this life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Just listen, just as if you were in a prison your whole life and never got out. And then one day you were released. That releasing from that prison demands a whole new lifestyle. Amen. Amen. I mean, they're not going to be bringing, you know, three hots in a cot to your cell every, every night. No, you're going to have to get out and do something yourself. Peter admonished us in Acts chapter 2 after that great outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the birth of the New Testament church. He said, you're going to have to save yourself. So the issue has really never been what is God going to do. Never. It's been what are you going to do? Actually, we could say it like this. What are you going to do with what God's done? And you can sit there your whole life and say, well, I wish God would do something. Nothing ever, nothing ever happened. Amen. But when you make a decision to give your life totally to God and serve Him, where your life is not your own anymore. Well, that's a, easy to get up here in the pulpit and say, but that takes some time. That's a process to get to the place where you're like, okay, God, whatever you say, do. But if I knew God talked to me and said something to me that was a radical change of my life and lifestyle, I would go get counsel. I would pray myself. Then I, if it was God, I'd do it no matter what it was. If God said, leave Island Church, put another pastor in and go to, go to Africa, I'd be, go, I'd be gone before the ink dried on my ticket. You say, why? Because I'm, I'm going to obey God because my life is not my own. I remember well, three years ago, four years ago, I was playing badminton. I played badminton uh, some weeks, three times a week. And so this was on a Friday, and I was playing badminton, and, I, and, the, and, the, and my phone rang, and I looked at it, and it was, it was uh, uh, Egan, from, uh, uh, Egan and Hannah from Tanzania, Africa. So I thought, well, I better answer that. Maybe that's an emergency. And Egan was on the other side, and he said, uh, Pastor Sam got, had, went to the doctor, and the doctor said he can't fly. you got to come to Tanzania. I said, when? He said, now. I said, now. He said, now. I said, well, I don't know if I can do that. I said, give me 24 hours. This is Friday after. I said, give me 24 hours. I'll call you back. So I went home and told God every reason why I couldn't go. It was Christmas time. Hunting season. Sometimes you just need a bigger excuse, amen. And I remember just, I remember, I remember going to bed that night and just wrestling all night long. I got up. And I went in my office, and I'm sitting in my office, and Leah comes and sits down at her desk, and I can't even breathe. I'm over there going, 
<sighs> trying to breathe. So finally I turned to Leah and I said, I guess you know I'm going to have to go to Africa. And she said, well, I kind of figured that. And finally, then I could breathe. <sighs> Amen. So you've got to understand there's a life for you to live that may not be of your own making. And in that life is the true joy of living on the earth. It's not the joy of winning the World Series. We had the man here who won the World Series with one swing of his bat, then went back in my office and looked me in the eye with tears in his eyes. This is what he told me. He said, Rusty, let me tell you. He said, I stood at the home plate on Shea Sta at Shea Stadium with 80,000 screaming fans, bottom of the ninth. I'm the winning run, tying run on base. He said, I jacked it over the fence. I won the World Series. He said, I ran the bases with people screaming my name. He said, I'm going to tell you something. I had more pleasure, I had more fun, and I had more fulfillment preaching in your church at 300 tonight than I ever had hitting that home run and winning the World Series. So you tell me, you tell me that this ain't real. When we've got witnesses like that. So this is the life to live. Of all the lives and lifestyles on the earth that is presented to mankind, this is it. Now, 2 Corinthians, we always read the scripture in verse 18. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Before we read that, let's, let's, let's preempt it with some other scripture. Because remember, there's, there's great relevance to the context in which scriptures are given to us. Verse, uh, verse 13, we have in the same spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. Now, church, there is a spirit of faith in Island Church. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not recognize it, but let me ask you a question. How many have ever been in a service here where there's been a visiting minister that talks about what it's like for them to come to this church? Have you ever done that? And they talk about, well, we love to come to this church. Man, y'all know how to praise God. The, the anointing's here. The, see, you're so used to that. Now, let me, let me help you. You're so used to that that really you don't understand why other people see it the way they do. The reason they see it the way they do is because they don't see it all the time and you do. So when they come, they tell you about it so that you will value it in a greater measure. Because, this, listen to me, church, the spiritual things that God gives us must remain at their highest value in our life. People don't realize that, but I'm going to tell you something, church. Simple things, just like coming to church and singing with the praise team and giving in the offering and praying in the prayer room and coming to prayer on Sunday nights and coming to communion on Sunday nights and doing all the extracurricular activity that the move of God demands. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't value that, you'll never enter into the door of it. And there is a spirit of faith here for you to enter in. All you've got to do is enter in. You say, what does that mean? That means you live for God every day and then you obey God in everything that God tells us to do. Now, let me say this. You say, Pastor Russell, you're always telling, telling us stories about how God spoke to you to go to Africa. How, how come God doesn't speak to me like that? Let me tell you why. Because there's a whole bunch of things in the Bible that God says, do this, do this, do this, do this. If you don't do that, what makes you think he's going to speak to you about something personal when you don't do what's personal to him? Maybe I ought to leave now. But that's a powerful statement. But it takes a lot to get what? A spirit of faith. All of the history of our church proves the spirit of faith is here. Amen? Now, notice this. But we have in the same spirit of faith. Now notice. As it is written, that's in the book of Psalms, I believe, therefore I've spoken. We also believe, therefore speak. So there's our, there's our faith protocol right there. It says, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. There are people in Galveston right now that don't come to church here that are thankful we're a church. Now let me say, you say, wait, what did you just say? I said there are people that live in, on Galveston Island and in the Galveston County area 
that there are, they are thankful this church is here. Now, let me tell you why they're thankful. They don't want to come here all the time. They just don't want to live for God on that level. But they know if they get to, into, a, into a calamity or into a tragedy, they know where to go. And that gives them peace. Well, that's okay. If that's all they got, that's something. I said, if that's all they got, they've got something. Do they think like that about all churches? No, they do not. Because not all churches have a spirit of faith. Listen, we pray for the sick and they recover. We sow and we reap. It's not natural, it's supernatural. For which cause we faint not. Now notice. But though the outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed Sunday by Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what it says. Oh, Sunday and Wednesday by Sunday and Wednesday. Now, this scripture says what? Your outward man is perish. It's perishing. That's your outward body. Day by day, every day, you get a little older. Amen? But then it says the inward man is what? It's renewed. So if you've got one part of you going this way and the other going that way, what part should you yield to? Don't, don't, don't yield to the dirt. You know, we buy these big, huge mirrors. And we get up in the morning, we look, and we want the dirt report. What does the dirt say? You notice, when you get up in the morning, the dirt, the dirt never gives you a good report. You've got to go to work on the dirt. A lot of you don't know, but you're dirt workers, amen? You've got to go to work on the dirt. Hallelujah. Then he says this, for our light affliction. Pastor, I'm going through hell. I know I shouldn't say that, but I'm going through hell. Well, Paul calls it a light affliction. And it's been hell for a long time. He calls it a light affliction, which is but for a moment. I believe he's seen something different. So in the next scripture, what does the Holy Ghost inspire him to write? While we look not at things which are seen. Where is the affliction going on? Where is the pain going on? Where is the deficit in your finances going on? Where is the depression going on? And that's one of the things I want to kind of get into today is why God's people are so suppressed and depressed. When you're given the glorious answer to life to live in. Amen. Where he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that through the word of God or the precious promises of God, you might be a what? Partaker, not an observer. The church has become an observer. Look at, look at, look at the sunrise. Look at the sunset. I heard a guy talk another day. He was a denominational, he was talking about the beauty of art. And how, 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 what an age we live in when there's such education available. Well, if it's outside of the Word of God, what good has it done us? Look at where the world is now. Human family is still falling. The world system is still falling. But God tells us, don't look at the things that are temporal. Don't look at the things that are seen, but at the unseen. How do you look at unseen things? Now, let me just say this. We've said this, especially in teaching with the gospel, in the Gospels. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was very abstract. Don't you think so? I mean, he wasn't a, he, he wasn't a regular guy. I mean, he did crazy stuff. See, people, they don't like to say that, but he did. He liked it. I mean, he, he spit on some guy's, uh, he spit on his finger and put it on some guy's tongue. What if somebody did that to you? <laughs> Stick out your tongue. Amen? You'd probably ask, have you had a COVID test? <laughs> Jesus? Amen. I like the scripture that says, don't think that that man would think he would get anything from the Lord. Amen? No, no, no. Jesus, listen, he was bizarro. Abstract. What kind of life do you think you're going to live? Quit trying to fit your round peg into the square hole of humanity. God has taken the corners off of you. 
one of the things we were reading, the, uh, the Gates of Heaven by Rebecca Springer, she said what she noticed about heaven, its architecture was so awesome, there were no corners. You know why? Corners produce shadows. Corners produce shadows. But when you don't have corners, you don't have any shadows. And the Bible says of heaven, there's no shadow. There's no variableness of turning. And it's the city where the lamb is the light. Hmm, How did we get off on that? That was good. Well, those are the unseen things. For we look not at the things which are seen. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Where is your value? If your value is in the temporal, then you're going to work your brains out in the temporal. If your value is in the eternal, then you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. When you begin to realize that there is a source of life on the earth other than that which I can produce that is better than me, greater than me, smarter than me, healthier than me, wealthier than me, but has done everything it can do to get its smarts, its health, its wealth into my life. Done everything it could do. So if I've got that same spirit of faith and I'm looking at the things that are unseen, which are what? Eternal or forever settled in heaven. And I'm not letting the temporal things, which are what? Temporal. One translation says, and fleeting. I like Brother Osteen, Pastor John Osteen used to always say, it's come to pass. It's come to pass. So a lot of people today, because of just what's going on in the world, because people are like, What's happening? What's going on with our government? What's going on in medicine? What's going on in the nations of the world? What's going on? Our earth seems to be trembling and shaking under the yoke of these last days and the church itself is kind of following the world into that depression. And the church is going to have to be delivered from the depression and oppression of the devil. Now hold on. The church right now in posture and in history and in time needs to be that of a young virgin bride readying herself for her wedding. Well, it's just so hard to live life. No, come on. God is coming back for a glorious church. The Bible says without spot nor wrinkle. And he's going to do that by doing what? Injecting into the church the hope and the life of not fixing what's out there, but in bringing his kingdom to the earth. So you're caught up in that process. And you do not want to disqualify yourself by just standing out there in the middle of the arena of life with blinders on swinging. Amen. When I, when I played football when I was in high school, I played uh, in, in, in junior high and was real good. And then when I went to high school, everybody grew but me. So we had this crazy coach, Coach Pittman, and he would do crazy things. So to toughen us up, he would take us and he would tie our left arms together and put a boxing glove on our right arm and just say, have at it. (laughs) Amen. Well, needless to say, you were in a fight. You were in a fight, a forced fight, amen. But you had to figure out real quick, amen, how to use that one arm that's tied to the other guy before he figures out how to use your arm, amen. So, You've got to understand, you may feel like you're in the arena of life in a fight with your arm tied to the problem and you're just banging away. And the more you bang, the tireder you get. That's why you get tired, you get run down to the point that even though you may value the church, value prayer, value the word, value your own personal prayer life, you just don't have... You have no what? You have no spiritual strength. You have no spiritual strength. And one of the reasons is, is because you're letting what's happening because you've got to understand it's coming from two directions now. There's everything that's going on in your life that can overwhelm you. Then there's everything going on outside of your life that's causing what's going on in your life to overwhelm you. So you've got a double whammy. 
You got, you got two things beating on your, on your soul, on the, on the way you feel, on the way you think, amen, and on the choices you make, trying to get you to come with them. Come on, come on. We're all, it's all, listen, it's all going to go down the tubes. Let's all go down. No, it's not. No, it's not. In the midst of it, God is going to raise up the people whose eyes are what? On the eternal things that are forever settled in heaven. You say, well, that just people get so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. That's not true. I think the devil made that up. Because some of the most heavenly minded people I knew were the most effective upon the earth in preaching the gospel. Amen. So we look not at things that are seen, but we look at things that are unseen. If we allow the seen realm to dictate to us, we're not going to make it. So it has to be the eternal realm. Now, Hebrews real quick. Ooh, how my, where did my time go? Hebrews. This is going to help you, I guarantee you. Hebrews chapter 2. Now let me read here just a moment, beginning in verse 3. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. It says, how shall we escape if, now remember, every time we see the if, got to circle it, that's where a choice has to be made. If we neglect so great salvation. You want to answer the question? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We don't. We don't escape. How many want to escape? I don't want to go down with this bunch. I don't want to go down with them. Not in their filth, not in their garbage, not in their rejection of God. Not in many of them right now trying to make themselves out to be a God. Now listen to this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing them witness with signs and wonders, diverse miracles, gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. For unto the angels hath he not put into subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Now notice, we're beginning now. That's why I believe the apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. He was a comparison preacher. Now he's pulled out man and the son of man. He's talking about mankind and Jesus. Are you with me? It's really simple. I know King James sometimes tends to be, but it's not. As for under the angels hath he not put into subjection the world to come whereof we speak, but in one certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? That's in, that's in the book of Psalms. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Poor translation. That should be God. That's the word Elohim. Made him a little lower than God. That's speaking of mankind and crowned him with glory and honor and disset him over the works of thy hands. That's man. He didn't set Jesus over the works of his hands. He set man over the works of his hands. Amen? Now notice it says this. Thou hast put all things in subjection subjection under his feet. Now he's not speaking of Jesus. He's speaking of man in creation who he set over the works of his hands and he put everything in subjection to that man. That man had dominion. That man had authority. That man had all the power on the earth and lost it and gave it to the devil. Exactly what happened. Thou hast put all things in in subjection under his feet. For then he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not under him. He's saying even the devil was under his feet. But now notice the next phrase. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Who's it speaking of? It's speaking of us. Now notice the next phrase. But, this is a good but, but we see Jesus. Now, here we go. You have to understand that when you're born again, legally, because you are put in Christ Jesus, everything in this earth has been put back in subjection to you. 
Not you personally. You in Christ. You in Christ. But we don't see that. You say, why? There are things not, um, not subjection. They're, they're not under our feet. Death is not under our feet yet. Are they under His? Yes, they are. All sickness and disease are under His feet. Is all sickness and disease yet under our feet? No. Uh, all wealth. He owns the cattle of a thousand years. God says all the gold, all the silver are mine. He made it. But do we see massive wealth in the body? No. It's because all of these things are given to us in a legal manner. A legal. I needed a, a, a date for a, for a piece of equipment I had and I needed to know uh, uh, what that date was. So I went back into my records and found the title. I have a from the state of Texas for this piece of equipment, I have a title deed. And I needed to know, I, I thought it, I bought it in 2018, but I actually bought it in 2019. So that title deed, doesn't matter if that piece of equipment's on my piece of property or someone's property up in Winnie or somebody's property down, doesn't matter, that piece, that piece of equipment is still mine. Yeah. And the reason it's still mine is because I paid the price. Yeah. And when I paid the price, I was issued the title deed. Amen. Now, I might put that thing in a storeroom uh, in January in a, in a, in a storage place, uh, you know, up there on Bolivar Peninsula and not even see it until next September. But does that make it any less mine? I still have what? The title deed. So you must understand it says in Hebrews chapter 11, one translation says, now faith is the title deed. So when you got born again, you were given the title deed to healing, prosperity, righteousness, joy, all the things that God has given us into Christ. But the problem with the church is, is there's so much incursion into the church of religion. Trying Now listen to me very carefully this morning because you don't need to get messed up on this. Trying to place God in a place of sovereignty that He does not exist. Well, I know you preach Jesus heals, but you know God is sovereign. I mean, that's like saying to me, you know, Colonel Sanders fries chicken, but he has a beard. That doesn't make any sense to me. Amen? What they're trying to say is, okay, God has given us all these promises in His Bible, but He sits up in heaven deciding, well, you know, Rusty, He's obeying that. He's speaking it. He's doing it. But you know, the other day, I just didn't like the shoes He was wearing. And He looks over at Jesus and says, you don't like Him either. He says, no, I didn't. I don't worry about those shoes. Well, we're just not going to let Him have that then. No, that's not what's going on. But see, that's what religion will make you think. Well, if it's, if it's, I had somebody say that. Though. I said, who was I talking to? I, 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 was, I was telling them, God, see you later. He said, well, we'll see you later. God will. And I turned back and said, he does. He wills. They kind of looked at me like, ooh. Amen. See, Pete, that, that creeps into our minds and into our thinking. And we don't spend our life possessing our promised land. Yeah. Where you've already been given it legally to me. So I've used that expression or I've used that illustration for years here at Island Church and everywhere else where we're being given a gift. Gifts are awesome. I love people to give me gifts. I love to give gifts. They're an expression of love. Amen? So if you gave me something uh, such as needed a title deed, a vehicle, a boat, something like that, a four-wheeler, so you went down and bought me a new boat. Amen? So you go buy it and you know boats, they've gone up. <laughs> you used to go buy boats for not much. Now they're a whole lot. It costs about a hundred grand to get into a nice boat nowadays. So say you buy me a boat for a hundred grand and you give me for a boat, there would be three title deeds. One for the hull, one for the motor, one for the trailer. So you come into Island Church on a Sunday morning and you got a package of papers and in those papers are three title deeds and you give me a boat and you say, here's your boat. I say, where's my boat? Here it is right here. Here's your boat. I say, where's that? I don't look like a boat. It looks like a bunch of paper. You may laugh, but that's how people are with the Word of God. Well, it's out in the parking lot. We towed it in, you know, with a, with a truck. It's parked out in the parking lot. It's out there for you. Well, I don't believe it. All you gave me was paper. But see, that paper is valuable. That paper is important. And when you, when you start figuring out, figuring out that paper is valuable. 
That, that paper is important. That paper is my in, inheritance. Not only is it, is it my inheritance, it's my title deed, which gives me the right to act on what it says. Not to sit around and say, okay, God, if you ever want me to have it, you're going to have to give it to me. That's not going to work, church. Amen? No, we don't see things, all things under our feet yet, but boy, I confess it every day. Thank you, Lord. It's under my feet. It's under my feet. I'm in the process of bringing everything that Jesus brought under his feet, under my feet. That is your life. And in doing that, what do you do? You build churches, you witness to people, you go to mission trips, you, do, you serve God while you keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank God, God gave us a reference point to focus on that's not difficult to focus on. You say, but we see Jesus. That's, that's, that's another one of those abstract. No, no, no. Jesus is the Word. Jesus was the Word, is the Word, forever will be the Word. When we see Him in His glory, when He comes back, He'll have a big banner across His chest that will say, The Word of God. So I keep going back to Sister Francis Ward. You have no greater relationship with Jesus than you have with that book. So if you could hang out with Jesus, what would you do? I'd hang out with him. If I lived back in the day in which he was calling people, even if he didn't call me, I'd follow him around. I'd have enough sense to follow him around, listen to his teachings, see his miracles. And if I needed one, maybe get one. Amen? But see, you've got to understand something, church. God is not going to violate your choice. And if you choose to dry up and die, he ain't going to stop you. He's not going to stop you. You're just going to dry up and die. But if you choose to fight, the fight of faith, amen? I tell you, the Bible says, and we having what? The same spirit of faith. And church, I'm going to tell you something. We've always been in a fight here, but that fight increased about three years ago. I mean, the devil took off the gloves and said, come on, I'll shut down churches. We had an entire Easter and whenever church in the world was shut down, come on. You tell me the devil ain't a mean devil. And he's tried systematically to dismantle anything that the church can do to continue its operation. And still to this day, I guarantee you, he's got plans in the future to shut down churches, shut down ministries. But I've got good news. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. I said, but we see... Let me finish that scripture because if I don't, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> let me read. Last scripture. I'll close with this. But we see Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Say it again, Jesus, who was made a little lower than God, than Elohim, amen, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, let me give you this statement. We'll close with this. In order to defeat death, you have to defeat everything that causes it. Amen? What's the first thing that causes death? Separation from God. So what did Jesus do? The Bible says, you know, Job is the one that said, I have no daysman. That's the word umpire. No one to put their hand upon God and put their hand upon me. What a dilemma. That was the dilemma of the old covenant and a fallen man. But then here came Jesus, the restorer of the breach. You say, why? There was a breach in the spirit. A breach in the spirit. God couldn't get to you, you couldn't get to God. God couldn't get to you, you couldn't get to God. Here came Jesus. He was the restorer of the breach. He put his hand upon God, put his hand upon you. Wow. Wow. So when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize, number one, how valuable your salvation is. How valuable. Religion even the ones that do teach on salvation, some will say, well, now you get to go to heaven. But you know, the rest of your life here on earth could be hell because of the sovereignty of God. Because He may give you a miracle, but He might not. You know that, that, that <laughs> I saw the last part of that movie the other day. It did, it made me mad again. But this little boy has this experience in heaven. And he's all on fire for God, you know. He's like, yeah, I saw my little sister. And they're like, well, you don't have a little sister. He said, I saw my grandfather and says, well, that's not him. Saw him, he was, everything that he said proved he'd been in heaven. And the church almost shut down. 
considering firing the pastor because his child had a supernatural experience. Did you know, we laugh at that. We think that's a joke, but you're painting the picture of the church. The church doesn't believe in signs and wonders and miracles anymore. The church has become either one of two things. It's either become traditional or social. Amen? So there ain't a whole lot of room for the rest of us if they're out there doing all of that. But here's the thing. The true church is the one that God says it is, not the one that some corporation or denomination says it is. And in the Word of God, we see the template of the book of Acts showing us that there is a life. Jesus rose from the dead. He breathed on those disciples. They received eternal life. And from that point forward, every seed has reproduced after its own kind. And you don't realize you're sitting here this morning. You ended up in the harvest. One day you'll be in heaven going, Thank God I got saved. Well, why wait till heaven when God has given you faith to live on the earth with now and to have His joy and to have His peace? My conclusion today is this. You have to change. If you're living in a, li- a, living a lifestyle right now, you can come to church, you can smile, you can do all you want to, but it's when you go home and look in the mirror that you can really gauge your pain. You need to make a decision right now. If you've been in a, you know, you say, well, Pastor, you know, this has been going on for so long and I'm just, I'm just wore out and I'm just tired. You're not doing the right thing. Number one, Jesus said, my burden's easy. My yoke is light. That's what he said. I'm just trudging through life. I'm I'm barely, no, no, that's not what Jesus said. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Well, when I, I guess after 39 years, I could say that, honey, I started declaring that a month after I got right with God. I begin to see it in the Word of God. I begin to declare it. I begin to live in that. That doesn't mean I hadn't had problems. I hadn't had setbacks. Sure, all that comes with the territory. But in the midst of it, I've stood up every time and said, no, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to fight this thing through by faith. And if I'm the only one that's going to do it, then I'm going to do it because I'm not going to live under my rights and privileges. I'm going to live right there where I'm supposed to live. That takes some effort. Now, Lee and I have gone before, many of you. Some of you have been with us for many years. Some of you in in another church that we all were a part of and helped build. Now we're in this church that we're a part of and helped build. So this thing's working, has been working for many, many years. But you've got to make a decision to come out of what's, what's on top of you if it continues to suppress you. Listen, if you're a Christian, this is very hard to say. If you're a Christian, you have no right being depressed. Now, you got to understand something, church. I know a lot about depression. I'm not going to tell you how, but I do. I can tell you a lot about it. But a Christian that gets into depression is like a Christian that gets into alcoholism or a Christian that gets into drug addiction or a Christian that gets into any other kind of thing in which they're denying God's entrance in their life to bring them out of that. God said of his kingdom, my kingdom is not in in rules and regulations, in meat and drink, but it's in righteousness, in right standing with me. It's in peace, that's what I give your life. And it's in joy in the Holy Ghost, that's when I put you out there in the midst of the world. They see you and they see the true joy of the Holy Ghost in your life and people want what you have. You can always gauge it by the world. If the world is comfortable being around you, it's because you are like them. Now let me say, let me throw something out to you. I'm around the world all the time. God, for some reason, opens doors for me to meet people and, and, and I've gained some friends. I've actually made some friends, friends uh, here recently in the past couple of months. And I'm going to tell you something. The world is not comfortable around me but they want to be around me. They're not comfortable around me, but they want to be around me. You say, why? Because I got life in me. I got life in me. Uh, Listen, that's not bragging. That's not some kind of, well, I'm better than somebody. I'm not better than anybody. 
I'm just saying, there's something in me that's living, that's bubbling, that's flowing. There's a joy in me. There's a peace in me. There's a revelation in me. There's an understanding in me. I've lived on it for years. You say, what is it? I see Jesus. Well, don't you see that actually? No, I see Jesus. Don't you see that doctor's report? No, I'm not a denier. I don't deny that stuff exists. I don't deny that stuff torments. I don't deny that stuff gives pain or hurt. But I see Jesus who tasted death for me. Which means if he tasted death for me, he destroyed everything that produced death. He destroyed that enmity between me and God and brought me together with him based on my choice. I chose Jesus. He gave me eternal life. He took stripes upon his back so that I do not have to be sick with any disease at any age in my life. Come on, church. I can stand and I can say, no, in the name of Jesus. Amen. He gives me wealth and prosperity in the midst of the greatest economic disaster the earth has ever or will ever see. Now, let me just say something, church. If you're not secure financially right now, I'm not talking about, well, I've got millions in the back. No, I'm talking about secure in the word financially. Because see the devil, he's got all kinds of distractions. Do this, do that, invest in this, do that. This is going to pay off. That's going to, forget all that, church. They're, they're running this thing in the ground. And you're not getting rich off of it. That's right. That's right. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. Because a lot of people have a lot of faith in things. that It's not going to work out, man. You say, well, that's not the direction they're going. They're tearing this thing down from the foundation. Do you understand that? They're tearing it down from the foundation. So we have to trust God. In Him we live and move and have our being. We are complete in Him. We are more than... All those scriptures must be how your mind works. Where you think the language of redemption at all times. And when you speak, you speak the language of redemption. That is your salvation. That is your hope in these last days. That's where your joy is going to come from. And that's what's going to make living out these last days a whole lot of fun as we begin to see God move and as the harvest comes in and as we see these things conspire outside the church and the earth just, they're headed, they're headed for the judgment and the tribulation. But we're going another direction. Did you know that can be seen? You can see it coming. I don't know if you can. I can see it coming. I mean, it's just coming, coming, coming. The ultimate paycheck, the wage of sin, the judgment of it. But in the meantime, we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with Jesus. And my greatest comfort is this. God's not going to let happen to Jesus anything bad. He already let it all happen on the cross. So that means nothing bad is going to happen to me. We're going through the tribulation. Go ahead. Now let me just, let me just, okay, let me throw something out there to you because everybody, well, you pre-trib, mid-trib, no-trib. I'm going to tell you whatever we go through, I'm going through by faith in Christ. I don't care because as long as I'm still here, I've got authority in the name of Jesus, power in the Word of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. My Bible still says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So that makes it easy to live. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you. We glorify your name. Thank you, Father, for your Word which lingers in this auditorium right now. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to give a simple and quick altar call. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'll tell you, I've just been, I've just been depressed. I've just been having such a time trying to just, you know, things in my life and, and things at my job, things in my family, they've just kind of all ganged up on me. And I now here we're going into the Christmas holidays, and, and I really just, you know, I just really can't take it anymore. <laughs> Sometimes you get to that place. Secondly. Oppression. Depression many times is a process, the end result of a process. Oppression can come on you in a second. The enemy tries to put that weight upon your heart. Amen. I mean, he'll do, he'll, he'll do, he, listen, he is a ruthless rat. And he'll formulate little thoughts. And he knows how to put a little bit of emotional twist in there because he knows what he knows you. He can't read your mind, but he's had all your life to study you. 
So some little twist or something that you may, oh, you know, some terror, some horror. Listen, church, that's not God. If you've been oppressed, had nightmares, unable to sleep, amen, that's oppression. Oppression. And what happens with oppression, if you allow it to continue, you become obsessed with that oppression, and that's where the devil gets in. And that's where that depression just weights you down. And I feel so saddened, sorry for what's going on in our world. I I saw some statistics yesterday that greatly alarmed me of our law enforcement, especially on the border, how much suicide has gone on. Of our law enforcement officers down there seeing such hopelessness that they killed themselves. It's It's unbelievable what's going on right now. In the midst of all of this, somebody somewhere has to rise up and say, we're not going to live oppressed. We're not going to live depressed. The world can go to hell on a skateboard. We're going to heaven with Jesus. If that's you, if you've been suffering with that. Now, first of all, let me tell you this. It's nothing to be ashamed of because all of us fight these battles. All of us do. (laughs) I had a friend. He's gone on to heaven, him and his wife. Man, they were some of the most Wonderful pastors that, that, that I ever met. I used to love to preach in their church. So we were having lunch one day in between services. I was there ministering at his church and he said, he said, you know, about 10 years ago, they, they, uh, they diagnosed me with depression. I said, you? I said, you're the one that's always telling jokes, laughing. He said this, I thought it was funny. He said, yeah, I thought depressed people are people that wanted to jump off a bridge. He said, but my doctor told me, no, they're just people that want to go stand and look over the side and consider the consequences if they would jump. Amen. So I asked him, I said, what'd you do? He said, I changed. He said, first thing I started do, doing was praising God every day. He said, I, 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 I prayed, but he said, my prayer was mechanical. He said, I could pray a little while and then just start praying in the Spirit. Then when I felt like I was done, I was done. He said, my prayer was mechanical. He said, so I stopped doing that. And I just started thanking. He said, I began with salvation. And I said, thank you, Father, that I'm saved. And he said, that was easy. So I just went to the next one. I said, thank you, Heavenly Father, that I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost and I speak with other tongues. Then he said, thank you, Father, for healing in my body. Then he began to go through all of his wife, his children his ministry, all that. He said, next thing you know, I had been praising God for almost an hour. He said, that lifted off of me and it's never came back. He said, but it never came back because I kept praising Him every day. His wife suffered clinical depression. It was basically institutionalized twice. But she got free too. You know what she did every service? She ran around the church. Every service. She wasn't running for you. She wasn't running for God. She was running for her. You understand that? You got to do it. You say, a friend of ours, the, the, the son of, uh, of this pastor, ask her, is that necessary that you do that? She said, it ain't necessary unless it's necessary. She found her. She found her what it took to keep that off of her. Some of you today, when we pray, the anointing is going to give you that that opportunity to change. You may need to go home, start praising. You may need to come back tonight to a prayer and praise service. See, that's another area that you don't realize. Say, well, Pastor, we come on Sundays, but you know, all that other time, it's, you know, it gets kind of tough. Here's the thing. Do you value it? How valuable is it to you? What if you were given a ticket to a wonderful show in Houston tonight? Uh, uh, a nice restaurant to go have a meal. Would you go there? Would you go there? I would. I would. You say, what do you mean you would? I would, unless, unless there was something else I could do in the kingdom. If there was something else I could do in the kingdom, I'd be there doing that. Church, I'm at every prayer meeting. I come to every service. I, I Listen, I love being and that's why I can't shut up sometimes. I don't want to leave because I don't want to go back out there because I know what's in here. And here is peace. This is a sanctuary. 
if that's you, stand on your feet. If you're having problems with oppression or depression, stand up right now. Just stand up. Don't be afraid or ashamed. Good. God bless you. Anyone else? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One person? I know better than that. So, we'll keep going then. Just stand there. You'll be all right. Oh, two people. Praise the Lord. I'm going to preach till some more. Three, four people. Amen. Always remember this. If there is an issue with you, and you say, well, you know, then you guard what's wrong with what? Fear and pride. They work together. They love to keep your behind in the seat. When I came back to the Lord, because when I was little, I didn't go up in altar calls. My mom and dad would drag me. They're talking about you. Come on. I remember a dog bit me one time. I worked for a veterinarian and a dog bit me in my arm. And so Mom Goodwin got up and said, someone's here who's been bit by a dog. I was going to go to the bathroom. I got up, was heading out. My mother grabbed me by my coat. Said, that's you. Come on. Well, she's going to know I was smoking cigarettes last night. She knows going to know I got high the other day. You know what I mean? Sin will keep you down too. But man, when I came back to the Lord, if I even thought that was me, I ran to the altar. I stood up. That's me. That's me. Cast that out. Bind it up. Whatever it takes. Shoot, I'm not going to entertain anything of the devil. I even think that's going on in my life. I get rid of it. So if that's you, one more time. You say, that's me, Pastor. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, sometimes we've lived that way for so long that we just think it's normal. It's not normal. God wants you to be full of joy, full of peace. Your needs met. His representative child on the earth that people see that and say, that, 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 that's a believer. My God, those people know God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Everybody lift your hands. Standing, you that are not standing. Anybody else, if you need to stand, stand right now. Father, I pray for these that are standing. You foul spirits of oppression and depression, get off of them in Jesus' name. Father, we declare the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we resist the temptation to sin, to be sick, to feel like we're unworthy. And we resist the temptation to be depressed and oppressed. Spirits of oppression. Oh yeah, I see that, Lord. Guilt and condemnation. Fear. Get off of God's people in Jesus' name. And Father, we stir. We stir that same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith. We look not at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are subject to change. But the things that are unseen or eternal are forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. Now everybody lift your hands and I want you to start with your salvation. I want you to start thanking God for what you have. Come on, I want you to start thanking God right there where you, man, if you can't do it in church, you won't do it anywhere. Thank Him that you're saved. Thank you, Father, that I'm saved. Thank you that you filled me with the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you called me to preach. Thank you that you opened doors all over the world. Thank you that you birthed Island Church. Thank you that you give us land. You give us blessings. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all the years you've given us, Lord. Thank you for all the fall harvest conferences, Father. Thank you for all the outreaches, the picnics, the banquets, everything we've done, everything in the past. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. Thank you, Father, that men and women have built their families here in this church. Received blessings that they would not have received if they would not have been here. Had breakthroughs in their lives. Not unique to us as a church, but unique to obedience to your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every healing that you're working in the bodies of people right now. Thank you for your divine prosperity. As we've sowed, we shall also reap. Thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We glorify your holy name. Thank you for the peace of God. Thank you for Leah, my beautiful wife, co-pastor, life mate. Thank you for our beautiful daughter, for everything you've given us in the material realm. We're overwhelmed, Lord. We're overwhelmed by your goodness. Thank you for Island Church, every person that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the will of God for each and every life. Thank you that heaven is our home. Thank you, you've given us something to focus on. But we see Jesus. But we see you, Jesus. During this season, we see you in the womb of Mary. Growing until that blessed day in which God came to the earth. Thank you, Jesus. You're Emmanuel, you're God with us. Thank you for the sinless life you live. Thank you that you submitted yourself to the ministry of John the Baptist and were anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you did signs and wonders and miracles. For this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Thank you that you healed the woman with the issue of blood, the ten lepers, blind Bartimaeus. Thank you for the man at the miracle pool, the most discouraged man in Jerusalem who you touched with the word. Thank you for the woman with the alabaster box who wept at your feet. Thank you for the passion of your cross and the glory of your resurrection. Thank you that you became our Lord, our Savior, that you are soon coming King. And thank you that you will not let us die upon this earth in oppression, depression, sickness, and disease, but you'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And impart unto us the glory and the joy of being the last day's glorious church. Father, let the bride adorn herself. Let the bride adorn herself. Let her prepare for her union in the sky. Oh, hallelujah. Let us believe you, Lord, for the harvest. In Jesus' precious name, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, stand on your feet this morning. You glad you came to church? Well, I'm glad you came to church. Don't forget tonight now, we have a prayer and praise service. Praise God. So come and be a part of that, I guarantee you. You will be blessed. Sunday nights, we're still teaching on redemption. Amen. Thank God, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, thank you as we leave today. We declare your protection, your safety. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, today, Lord, as we leave, as we depart, in our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, railway, any other way of travel or transportation, thank you that you protect us, Father. We never take it for granted that we go day by day, hour by hour, week by week, month by month, year by year, protected by you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The righteous labor of our hands. No accidents, no terror, no trauma, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. You, Lord, are our protection. Stir our hearts, stir our spirit, man. Let us be busy about the master's business. Let us serve you with all of our heart. Not that you would be the most important thing in our life, that you would be our life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We leave today walking in love and faith towards you, Lord. We love you so much. Walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.